Okay, we're going to start with a nice word from Pasha's Emor. Dabra Laharan Laimur. Ishmi Zrachel Dreis Mashiach Boimim, Lo Yikrav Lakrav Lech Malakov. Right? A Koyan, a Bolim, can't do that void in the Vesem Mikdush. He called Isha Shaboimim, Lo Yikrav. That's the next Pusik again, Pusik Yitches. So this is in Pairik Huf Aleph, Yidzain and Yitches. Basically, say the same thing. Ishmi Zrachel, the Ibish is telling Aaron the Koyan that any one of your Zarachu, Zera Aaron, um, that will have a meim as Yikrav. And it says, Ki kol Isha Shaboy Mim Yikrav. So this wouldn't bring a nice word. Um, I, I didn't find the Makar for it. So somebody has it, they can send it to me. But the, the basically, the, the Torah is explaining the reasoning. Which means like this, you know, sometimes somebody would think, you know, why, why is it fear? A coin has a mim, for whatever reason, you know, a coin has a mim, something happened to him, or he was born with a mim, but he's a mim, and he can't do that way. Is that fear? And especially we know that, you know, you don't just judge people by their externals. So if somebody has a mim, so it's only a physical mim. So why can he, so he has a blemish. Why, why can he do that void? So the Torah is telling us that, no, the Ibishta knows. The Ibishta takes everything into account. When the Ibishta sees to it that a coin has a mim, it's because the Ibishta knew that that was for him because seemingly he wasn't supposed to do the void. He's not, not doing the void because he has a mim. He has a mim because he wasn't supposed to be doing the void. Or that's one of the reasons. And it was definitely taken into account. And the Ibishta knew it in advance. It's similar to something we spoke about actually in Ashir about the coronavirus. There's the the Medrash brings from Shimba Yehui. He left the, the Mara after all the years over there and he was afraid for his life. And then he saw that somebody was trying to catch birds, shooting at birds. And he heard a basco that called out that this bird is not going to get caught, this bird's going to live. And he saw the person aim at the bird and he missed it. Then he heard a, a basco call out, this bird is going to die. And the guy aimed at the bird and he hit it. That's when Shemayichu said, wow, look at Ashguch Aliyoyna. The bird's not dying because he was shot. He was shot because he was supposed to die. And that's something we always have to remember, especially when we see you know, tragedy and things like that. Uh, we don't understand why the does things, but we know that everything's taken into account. And nothing just happens because that's how it happened. It happened because it was supposed to happen. And that's something, and, and that gave Shemayichu the chizik to go on his way. Anyway, so what, what the Pusik is telling us is like this. Somebody who has a mim is not going to be doing that void. Why? Key. Called Isha Mim Lo Yikrav. Because the person who had a Mim wasn't supposed to be doing that Voida. And that's why the Ibishta made it that way, and that's why you shouldn't question anything. And you know, this is a, a tremendous Isoid in, in Amina, something we should always know and always think about. That when something happens, we shouldn't blame the circumstance. We should know that the circumstance came about because it's how the Ibishta wanted things to be. And sometimes in life, we don't know in advance. You look at somebody, a Koyan, when he's a child, and you say, oh, this, this guy's going to be doing Avoida, right? Well, we don't know. Later we'll find out if he's supposed to or not. We'll see. How are we going to see? If he's able, and he's capable, and he doesn't have a Mim, then yeah, he must be the one that was supposed to be doing Avoida. And, and if that doesn't happen, then it must be. We, we figure out now, you know, looking back, we, 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 in hindsight, we didn't know in advance, but now we see that that's how Tavish wanted it to be. Now, one place that I, that I, I think this might be a little... Um, uh, a small lesson for us, and something that I wanted to discuss is when it comes to keep it over wine. Children have to be mechabit parents, not a question. Everybody has to be mechabit parents for that matter, but there are parts of keep it over wine that change after a person gets married. And this is important for parents who married of children to know, and for children of ma- uh, married children of parents to know. Now, especially true, what Chazal teaches us about a woman, right? How much is she mechiv after she gets married? Well, we'll see. What does that mean we're going to see? We're going to see how her marriage plays out. We're going to see how her husband, or how the situation, you know, happens. That, you know, is she going to be able to be mechabed her parents? Is it going to be a contradiction to be mechabed her spouse? 
And in general, everyone has to get married. Certain situations change in life. And sometimes we just have to see it as, oh, that must be what the Ibishah wants. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we don't have the Chiv of Kibbutz Wayam after we're married. It just means that sometimes circumstance, the way the Ibishah plays things out, will tell you how things are going to be. So if you have a family of children that are all being, all being taught and all being Machabah their parents very much, right? And that's when they're children. And you look, you look ahead and you say, what's going to happen after, after, these, um, after these children are married? Well, we're going to see. Maybe one of them will be more capable and more able to be Mechabah the parents going further, and some won't. And that's just, that's just something we'll see, we'll see later, and, and something we may not know in advance. So, you know, just on, uh, both on a practical level, how much someone could, and both on, on, a, on a understanding the, the Torah obligation of how much someone should, that, that's something that sometimes um, life circumstance plays itself out, and we see. So I'm going to read a question, actually, a question and a letter. Uh, they're, they're pretty similar, but interestingly... Everything's um, this, this, The question that I'm going to be reading for this year was something that came out a while back, and the and the letter that I got was actually this past week. And so, it's interesting. I see two sides of a story, and we're going to discuss it a little bit. So here goes. Hello, Rabbi Grun. Thank you so much for the avodah and tackling a part of life that's so important for the klal. Me and my husband recently married. We live only a, a few a few short blocks from my parents. And whenever we go visit, which is still quite often, as we are young, a young couple, it gets pretty stressful. The personalities of my mother and my husband clash terribly. Over the year, we definitely started going over less. Recently, things came to a head. We had a, we had a baby pretty soon after, pretty soon, but only after a very complicated pregnancy, and it was really a big simcha for everyone. For my mother, it wasn't even a question that she's coming with us to the hospital due to the circumstance of the pregnancy. I knew it was, it, was, it was probably going to be an issue because I knew that my husband would feel pushed to the side, but I didn't have the courage to say anything. Some husbands appreciate when the mother comes and takes over, but my husband is the type that needs to be involved, and he was very resentful that my mother was running the show. This was just the beginning of a very stressful stay at my parents' house. My mother and my husband clashed a few times, and our show and bias also suffered. Since we all weren't happy at the way things were going, and he didn't feel like I was totally on his side. They both have stronger personalities, while I have a weaker personality, and I was stuck in the middle. My husband was very overprotective of the baby and would be very, very on top of the children in my parents' house touching the baby. I felt bad for my mother because she was so excited for the simcha and worked so hard to prepare for it and to be there for me. But I also felt bad for my husband that he couldn't enjoy the simcha as much as he would have liked. And I felt bad for myself that I was stuck in the middle of all the stress right after birth. When we got back home, everything calmed down. Ashalom Bayes is Baruch Great and my relationship with my mother is also Baruch Hashem. But I feel like everyone has resentment inside about how things turned out, and nobody is really take, talking about it. I keep on switching between feeling bad for my husband, for my mother, and for myself, and sometimes I feel anger toward them. And I really believe that everyone feels the same way. I want to open a discussion with my husband and my mother about this so we can clear the ear, so that I can apologize to my mother. Can you please advise me the best way to go about this? Should I explain my husband's side of the story to my mother? Or should I validate her? Should I explain my side to my husband? Or will that just make things worse? I've, I feel the need to rock the boat, but I want to make sure I do it in a way that will fix things and not break them even more. Thank you so much. So that's a very good question, and you know, just the story just makes it a little more uh, practical to deal with. Okay, so you have a young woman. The, the circumstance of a difficult pregnancy and living nearby it all adds to it. But the, the basic uh, gist of the question is: I'm stuck between my husband and my my spouse. In this case, it's my husband, my spouse, and my parents. What do I do? Who am I here to please? Whom, whose side should I take? How do I how do I not get stuck in the middle? And, and how am I supposed to go about this? So that is from from, let's, let's call the monkey in the middle. That was a letter from the monkey in the middle. Let me read a letter that somebody sent me um, this week. I'm going to be translating it, actually. 
And we'll just get a little uh, different perspective of a, of a somewhat seemingly similar situation, and then we'll discuss the idea of Metzachem. Okay, thank you so much for the shirim on the telephone. I appreciate it. My husband has uh, feels a great responsibility that I should feel very close and enjoy being by or around his mother. He only means well, but he puts a very big pressure on me, and when I go there, I don't, I don't enjoy it, and I, I, I feel very stressed out about it. For example, um, we went for a yamtiv to his parents. We came there out of yamtiv. I was very hungry, and I didn't see anything there to eat. I did not feel comfortable asking my shriga. She doesn't mean anything bad, but there wasn't anything ready. I asked my husband if maybe he could see if there's something there, and it bothered him very much why I didn't just open the oven, why didn't I look for food, why didn't I do things, or why didn't I at least ask my shviger. And I was bothered by the fact that something like that bothered him. Um, over the yomtev, by the cedar, when I was sitting quiet, and just listen, just listening to the, to the zmiris and enjoying the cedar like that, he was bothered and he had a pressure, why am I sitting quiet, why am I not making conversation with my shviger? Why don't I go into the kitchen and I help her with, with the plate, with the, uh, preparing the food, or talking to her? I didn't have what to talk to her about, and I didn't mind sitting. But obviously, it, it was with a lot of stress, and it wasn't enjoyable once I saw that he was uncomfortable. There are times that I would want my husband to ask his mother for something, and again, he puts a pressure on me, why can't you call yourself to my mother, why can't you talk to her, Heimish? And I, I feel that this makes things very uncomfortable. The question is, is it his obligation that I should feel Heimish and like being by his mother? Is it a normal thing? What does it mean to be Heimish? Does it mean that I should be looking for food myself and talk loud, or I could do things the way I feel comfortable? Is it his responsibility that his mother should, should like me and appreciate my company? It happens to be that he feels very comfortable by my parents, but I guess everyone's different. Okay, that's, that's basically the gist of it. Okay, there's another thing over here, but my husband has a lot of pressure in general that I should look good, and if I make a mistake about something, it bothers him. He likes when people think that I'm perfect. Okay, so that was just another side of the story, right? The first letter was from somebody who doesn't know how to go about, you know, my, my, my spouse and my parents. What do I do with them? And here you have somebody who feels like, you know, I have a husband who's in between us both and putting a pressure on me that everything work out. So this is a very common topic. Very common topic. I've almost spoken about it a few times already. And it happens in many ways. And I just want to give the few examples where it happens so we understand everything we're talking about over here. There are times that a couple is happily married and our parents mixing in. Okay? I spoke about this once at Karatuni. A whole talk about it. How sometimes you have a couple who are happily married. They understand each other. They appreciate each other. They enjoy each other's company and they get along. And they have a lot in common and they, they, they click. You have parents that keep on mixing in. They don't like the way things are being done, and they talk to a child about a, about a spouse, or they're giving dice, and, and things start getting complicated. So that's one example. We have somebody between parents and the spouse. What do I do? Now, with the spouse, I'm fine, but when the parents mix in, it's a problem. Then you have a couple who, they get along and they're compatible, but like these situations, nobody's specifically mixing in, um, but it's just uncomfortable. The relationship, it's, it's so much easier if it's just the two of us, let's call it. Then you have those couples that aren't even doing so well, but they put in the work and they can make it work, and you put in the effort and the shulam bias, and you, and you make things work. And, and if it's only, and like I said, if it's only me and her, if it's only her, him and me, we can still make it work. But then you know, it just becomes too much pressure to make everyone feel comfortable and be the monkey in the middle. So what do I do now? So let's just mention the halacha before I, before anything else, right? La halacha, something I said before. A man is always mechiyav and kibbutz Nothing about his obligation of kibbutz becomes less because he's married. 
right? He's not mechiv. There's a kvodishtoy, but not, not in a way that takes away from the chiv of his parents. As opposed to a woman, is is definitely exempt from kibbutz of wine if if it's a contradiction to honoring her husband. So that's just something to take into account. Um, that very often it's a, a woman's ob- obligation. Sometimes you'll, you'll see this. Sometimes a woman will be complaining. What do you mean? I have to take care of my parents, and they come first. And why are you not letting me? And that, and it's wrong. It's wrong because there's definitely someone else over here. So that's that's something to, to take into account. But let, let's go, just go back to the general idea. When you're married to someone, that tends to become your most important relationship. Now, of course, the, the Torah is obligating you to honor your parents, but your most important relationship, the one you should be investing in most, and the one you should not be neglecting, and the one you shouldn't, you shouldn't just uh, take lightly, is the person you're married to. You know, Victor Miller once had a question and answer about the respecting your parents or your in-laws. He said, listen, they're going to leave you, they're going to leave over a big Yerusha, make sure you, you honor them. Now, obviously, that's not the reason why we're Mechavik parents, but sometimes you just have to think about it. You know, if you want to get along with them, you want them to take you seriously, you just want to take them seriously too. Now, when it comes to Shalom bias, I mean, this is the person you're going to be around with most. This is the person you're living with. This is the person who's going to be here for more years, probably, and it's Hashem, right? If everyone reaches 120, you, you don't want to neglect your marriage, you don't want to honor your parents or take your parents seriously or worry about them or have a pressure from them if it's going to take away from your shulm bias. Not a question. You, you don't want that. Recently, now with the corona, you know, there was definitely a lot of corona questions going on. And one question I heard from somebody is, is, is one of his parents wasn't doing too well and there was an issue, uh, what do I do? And, and being involved, let's not call it even obsessed, just being involved in, the, in what was going on by his parents, which every, every good child should do, was taken away from from what was going on at home. So very often you see these, these situations, like, what do I do? I want to I wanna inquire about my parents' health. I want to make them feel good. I want to be there for them. I want to help them. But my, my wife or my husband or whoever it is is not happy with it. So your first allegiance and your first priority should be your shalom bias. Now, does, does that mean that it's going to be a contradiction? Does it mean that you have to choose one over the other? Usually not. Very often you can make them both work. Very often just asking your Spouse, is it okay now if I call? Do you think it's right if I go over? When would it be best if I go over? What do you think? And just making someone feel good and important and asking their opinion and, and, and taking them seriously and then giving them the credit. You know, it's good that you told me to go. It's good, when, it's good that you told me when to go. So many things can be resolved. I mean, there are so many things that can be taken care of so simply and so easily if only we make them work. So I, I don't want to make it sound like it's, a, like it's a contradiction. The fact that your first allegiance, the first, your first responsibility is, is to make sure that your spouse is okay and that your marriage is happy doesn't mean that you're going to be neglecting anyone. It just means that sometimes the way you do it or how you do it or when you do it uh, you know, should first depend on making someone else happy and making sure that, that, that someone else feels good. But very often, very often, it's much less of a contradiction than you think. And, and sometimes people look at it like that. And, you know, I mean, this quote I heard from Rabbi Tversky once, you know, when people look at things like all or none, it usually tends to become none. Right? You have that all-or-nothing attitude. Um, you're always, always nice to me or never nice to me. Rarely, I mean, there are people that think in those terms of all-or-nothing, but usually when people do think like that or look at situations like that, it, it, I don't know why, it goes to nothing. Is that what it is? If it's black or white, it's usually black. So if you're going to look at something like, who am I going to please? It's either you or you. You're going you're to attack or only end up pleasing one. But sometimes it's more, much more gray than that. And much, much sometimes if you, just, if you just look at your options a little, a little broader and see like, okay, so maybe I could do it a little later. Maybe I could do it in a certain way. Maybe I could do it at a certain time. Maybe I could make someone feel good and then the other person... And when you do things like that and try to juggle them, very often you, you'll be able to, um, to do a lot of that. So, you know, it has to do with, with quantity, quality, flexibility, and, and a lot of those things. Like, it doesn't... Frequency, it doesn't always have to be all the time, whenever you want, uh, you know, w- without taking other people to, into consideration and things like that. So, that's just something to think about. Very often, when, when it becomes a, a relationship question of who should I please... It very often doesn't have to be one or the other. So that's, that's just something you have to be very, very clear about. Now, 
sometimes, and this is something we spoke about, and, and, and the people that don't like when I say it, it comes to Shalom Bayez, people are very into the honesty and openness, and you can't hide anything from me. If your wife is going to know that you called your mother to know how she's doing, and she's going to, be, she's going to feel threatened by it, for whatever reason, for whatever, why do you have to tell her that? I mean, Aaron Cohen, and we'll talk about more about Aaron Cohen soon, but Aaron Cohen definitely did things with Mana Shudam. I mean, because I'll teach us to be Mishanam So if you're coming home from Shiel, and you're a few minutes late, and your wife will be okay with the fact that, that Davani took you a few minutes longer, but she won't be okay with the fact that you called your mother on the way home and stayed in the car a few minutes, then why are you telling her I called my mother to see how she's doing? Again, you're turning it into a contradiction, and it doesn't have to be. So sometimes not everything has to be uh, so open, and, and, and sometimes it's just, it becomes so much, so much simpler. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just mentioning these ideas because so many times I see people getting stuck, and, and I don't know why they had to get stuck. I don't know why they had to say things. You should learn from experience if this is something that bothers someone. Or if you tell your mother, for example, I didn't call because my wife needed my help, and your mother doesn't feel, oh, so she comes for it. So why do you say that? So that's something that, that definitely uh, people should think about now. When it comes to a situation, let's just look, talk about these letters uh, a little bit, right? You have a situation, a young woman after birth, for example, her husband wants this, and, her, and, her, and, her, and her, her mother wants that, and whose side should I take? Again, it doesn't have to be a contradiction. Sometimes you can listen to someone quetch, and you can listen to someone rant, and you can say, you know, I really understand you. And you can tell your husband, I wish my mother would uh, understand things this way, and, and, and realize that maybe it's not her place to come to the hospital, and maybe we could do it on our own. And you can tell your mother that, um, um, you know, I just, for example, if she's complaining about something your husband did, you can say, I understand you, mommy. I, I wish it wouldn't bother him. Saying, I understand you, and invalidating, and listening to someone, doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you're going to bring back a message now. It doesn't mean you're going to... It just means that someone feels understood. And sometimes that's what, the, that's what the job of monkey in the middle is. Sometimes the job is not deciding who should I please, as much as just being there for both people and, 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 and making them both feel understood. You'd be surprised by how much you could accomplish by that. So that's, that's uh, you know, just... You don't have to agree or disagree, and you don't have to implement or, t- or carry out anything just because you're understanding people. And very often, that's all they need from you. Now, there is that codependency feeling where someone feels responsible to make everyone feel good, and if they don't feel, if somebody's bothered by something, it's my problem. How do I go about it? It doesn't have to be your problem. I mean, validating someone and listening to someone is a nice thing to do. And if you're the one who could do it, you call yourself a weaker personality. But I, I don't know if that's the word. If you're the one who can make people feel good, that's wonderful. But it's not because it's your responsibility that everyone feel good. And everyone like what the other person did. What you could do is be a listening ear and, and be respectful to whoever's talking to you, especially if it's a parent and a spouse, two people that you definitely want to you know, take seriously. Now, I think it's wrong. Now, let's go to the other, the other letter for a moment. I, I think it's wrong for a husband to apply pressure on a wife to, you know, to, to be mesachain by his mother or to impress his mother or that his mother should be impressed by what she's doing and appreciate her company. I mean, you should, you, so if you're the monkey in the middle, you definitely should not be putting pressure on two people. Again, the job of the monkey in the middle sometimes is just to make everyone feel understood and make sure that you're not doing anything to hurt anyone. You're not responsible now that everyone get along. And if you're not responsible, then you should definitely not be applying pressure and telling your mother, um, move out of the way for my husband or tell your husband move out of the way. So let's just, let's just uh, um, mention those points again. First thing, yeah, I think your spouse comes before your parent. Second thing, it doesn't have to become a contradiction. Okay? The third point was that sometimes you could actually bring it all together by just validating and listening to people, even if they're not so happy, because you're not responsible to make everyone happy. And the next point is that obviously you should not be applying pressure to make people feel uncomfortable because you're being pulled in one or the other direction, and you're showing them that you know that person comes first, so you should please start doing things the way that person would want, and that's how I'll be happy. That, that's definitely a wrong message. So, and I think where it comes from is we definitely uh, tend to apply too much um, importance to what someone else will be thinking. I mean, you know, a person has to live for themselves, and you have to know what makes you happy and what makes you comfortable, and know how to make 
and know how to let other people know that and let, let other people please you and make you happy in a healthy way. But when you start judging things by what other people are saying and different people around you know that they have to now please others because you're only going to be happy when other, that, that's what people get confused. So I think it's very important to, you know, to not have that codependent relationship where you're dependent on other people's approval or you're dependent on making other people happy with what other people do. And very much of that can be resolved just by knowing what, what your, where your place is. And if somebody's doing that to you, and somebody's putting pressure on you, and somebody's making you uncomfortable, it's okay to say, you know, I understand you, but, but for me, this works better, and, and, and please understand me as well. And sometimes you could, sometimes you could I, I mean, just let's talk to the single mom for a minute over here, right? He has a pressure that his mother is impressed by his wife, for example, that his, mo- that his wife is doing something by his mother. Maybe, in a respectful way, he could actually even tell his mother, maybe if you could talk to my wife, she loves, she loves talking to you. And that's just another example of Aaron Akkoyan. What did Aaron Akkoyan do? He went to each person and said, you know, the other person uh, wants, want, uh, wants to be your friend. The other person likes you. The other person appreciates you. You could do that. So if you're a monk in the middle and you want to do things in a nice way, and you're telling each person involved, the other person thinks so highly of you. My mother loves your company. She loves uh, talking to you. She appreciates even when you just sit there. And now your wife will feel more comfortable by your mother, by all means. Or if you tell your mother how much your wife is looking forward to sitting there with her, and maybe your mother will feel more comfortable you know, talking to her, that, that's also fine. But if you just start putting pressure on people and making them feel uncomfortable, I think yeah, it's definitely wrong. And another thing, we're talking about Aaron Akoyan. I mean, just, just giving good regards, for example. Just, just telling your mother after you how much your wife appreciated being there. You, she doesn't have to know that you said that. And the, and the other way around, you know, always, always saying nice things. Always um, repeating how much your wife enjoyed the cedars and how she wants to know a certain recipe. If someone's not comfortable doing it on their own, you could do it for them sometimes. So if it's important to you that your mother um, um, appreciate her daughter-in-law, there are so many things you could do and repeat and, 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 and give over messages that, that, will, that will do that without controlling anyone and without uh, you know, making anyone feel... And, and I'll say another thing. Sometimes there's actually a hurtful message that somebody's re- repeating. And I've seen this many times. For example, your mother tells you after you know, tell your wife that next time she comes, I would appreciate blah, 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 blah. Maybe you don't have to say it at all. Maybe your mother could think you said it, and you don't have to say it. It's not your responsibility. So sometimes somebody will say something hurtful, or, um, you know, please tell your wife to come early to, a, to the simcha, for example. And, and these are examples I'm using because I've, I've heard this from people. And for whatever reason, you know it's not going to work, and your wife's just going to get frustrated and resentful and all that, and it's not going to happen anyway. You can hang up the phone and say, no problem, and, and nobody has to know if you did or didn't. Repeating it to your wife and making her frustrated and making her feel, what, what are you doing that for? I mean, that's part of the, that's part of the middle of Shana's Bibadaka Shulam, right? Not only repeating, not only making up a lie, but sometimes not, not, saying, not saying the whole truth and not repeating everything that somebody didn't like. So sometimes that, that's also just something that. Uh... Now, if it means so much to your husband, let me, just, let me just throw this in. If it means so much to your husband that you talk to his mother or that you help her, you might want to do it. Again, he shouldn't be making you feel pressure, and you don't have to, but you might want to. There are very many people who would love to be able to please a spouse. They just don't know how. Some, some spouses are unpleasable. So if you know that something means a lot to someone, and you want to make that person um, happy, then, then by all means, go ahead and do it. I mean, you don't have to do it as much as somebody asking you, and he shouldn't be asking you, and sometimes he's putting too much pressure, and sometimes there's a resistance only because it's being demanded. But if you could do something that you know will please someone else, why not do it? Especially if it's a spouse. If it's too hard for you, maybe you don't have to. You don't have to, uh, in most cases. But, but it's just something to think about. You know, sometimes we have that resistance of, I don't have to, so I'm not going to... If it does mean something, and sometimes you know this even without someone applying pressure, you know that it means a lot to your husband when you come early and his mother sees you by a simcha, for example, then, then go ahead and do it. So I, I got a little carried away with the second letter, but back to the first letter as well. If you're, if you're in between two people, then yes, I think your husband does come first. I think it's important for you to say in a very nice way to your mother, oh, thank you so much for helping mommy, uh, maybe in this in this case, or maybe this time, or whatever, you know, if you could let my husband do that, I'm sure it will mean a lot to him. You know, but but not, because you're, not because you're looking to please as much as 
if it could be said in a nice way and without applying pressure, then I think your husband comes first. So if it's your decision, for example, who to give the baby to, and you know that he'll appreciate if you do it that way, and you have a choice, then I think he does come first. But you're not responsible to make sure that everyone is busy pleasing everyone, and then feeling like the monkey in the middle who's resentful about how people are treating each other. So that's just um, something. And I'll end off with this, and even though it's not the topic, parents should know this. And sometimes we don't realize it, and sometimes you know, you know it about other people, but you don't know it about yourself. But if you have children, and they're married, then even if they don't tell you something specifically, okay, even if they don't even if they're not so open with you, you have, to, you have to always remember that, you know, there's something about their private life, there's something about their relationships that's come first. And so often, so often I hear this. I, 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 I weekly, or, or even more than that, I'm dealing with situations where parents are talking to children who got married and saying things that are either directly negative about a spouse or directly, you know, involved in the decision that has to be made that should be made between, between husband and wife. And sometimes indirectly, sometimes just imposing or just uh, implying without thinking, you know, take into consideration your, your child is married, your child is dealing with someone, even, even if they're not going to tell you everything that's going on you know, behind closed doors think about it, think about it so if you want something and you say, only if your wife is okay with it, or only if your husband doesn't mind, or um, you should make a decision on your own, or whatever works for you, that's fine with me it's just, it's just helping them out and it's the right thing to do, so you know, the Irish health, and we should definitely, like I started off with sometimes the Irish puts a person in a situation as much as you maybe wanted to be very respectful of your parents your whole life, the fact that you married someone who's okay or not okay with the relationship it, it, just, it just might change things it just might change things a little bit so in most cases, now you could always ask a Ruv and a Dastar to make sure that when it comes to the when it comes to the Aluch you're not being over on anything, but in most cases when you take your spouse seriously first and you work along to see how you can still accommodate other people, you'll see it's not as much of a contradiction as you think. And in most cases, you could always be promoting shulam, saying nice things about other people, and sharing nice regards and nice comments that will make everyone feel good in the